right, so I got to do it. All right, y'all know me. I'm passionate about several things in life. One of those definitely being Auburn. And uh, you know, I talked to I talked to Perry Rubin. He's going to be coming up October 29th. Speaking of Auburn, uh, the Auburn Christian Fellowship is a ministry that we support. And, and I told him that, hey, we want you to come up. It, it's, it's been a while since we've had you here. And, and know that in the spring, we're going to be planning a trip to come down there to do a overnight mission trip, if you will. And I, I know some of y'all are like, well, yeah, those that's a group of people that need to hear the gospel. That's fine. You can... Say that because um, let me tell you, any college campus, truthfully, right now is a mission field. Okay, uh, but as an Auburn fan, and I, you know I'm passionate about this, I just need a vent for just a moment. Just just give me a minute, right? Um, who in their right mind schedules a 9:30 Central game? Right, like, like that's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, like, like the game did not start until nine thirty, and then they're coming on. And it's like, yeah, we think that this is the latest Auburn's ever played, and then they came on and said, this is definitely the latest that Auburn has played. And, and let me tell you this, just from watching the game, because I stayed up watching the game. Right, Auburn looked like they too were like not accustomed to this thing. They were like, probably this is super late, so we're not used to this stuff. It was terrible. Now we got the win, which is good because you know, but. I was, I, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Staying up that late. I mean, I had to watch a Texas game. All right, I had to watch the University of Texas play a game before I could even get to Auburn. Like, what's, what's that all about? Now, Auburn's out there, and they're playing their game, and it just starts terrible. Amanda's like, hey, I'm halfway through the first quarter. She's giving up. She's like, I'm going to bed. This is awful. I mean, Auburn was giving away stuff like California's economy. Man, they're just, here's this, and here's this, and here's this. Just have That's what Auburn was doing on the football field. And so not only was it late, I mean, the offense looked like middle schoolers out there. I've been to middle school games, church. I've been to middle school games where, where I've seen more discipline on offense than what I saw last night. And man, let me tell you, there's nothing better than staying up super late. Like, that's three hours past my normal bedtime, to be honest with you. Because I get up super early. Nothing better than staying up late to watch a bunch of undisciplined football. Y'all know the game actually ended today. Like, like <laughs> the game ended today. Today's about the NFL. All right, that's how late this thing was. It was, ugh. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I just had to say that. I had to say it. All right, I hope somebody listens. All right, if you have your Bible strong, we can book the Philippians. The second chapter is where we are. We're going to pick it up in verse 12, I hope. Perfect. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. 
So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. All right, so I told you last week, we got to remind ourselves of this, that any time in Scripture you see the adverb therefore, you must ask, what is it there for? It's just a hermeneutic. It's just a, a Bible study principle. If it's there, it's going to be connecting some, some thoughts, right? And so the command from the previous verses is that we are to have the same mindset as Jesus in our relationships. Oh, like just let that resonate with you, especially if you weren't here last week. In our relationships, customers, family members, fans from the opposing school, doesn't matter. In our relationships, we are to have the same mindset as Jesus. Paul then goes on to elaborate on what Christ's attitude really is. Okay? And, and we could reteach all that, but we're not going to. To simplify it, he was willing, Jesus to die to self for the sake of others. That, that's what his attitude was. And that's the attitude that you and I are to have with one another. We are willing, we must be willing to die to self. And so verse 12 begins with therefore. Since all of that, since that's the attitude that you're supposed to have, Therefore, my dear brothers, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is one of those verses that, that gets misunderstood a lot. Please note that Paul is not telling us to work for our, our salvation. Okay, that's not what he's saying. It is not possible to do enough good work in this life to earn salvation. You think about the best person you know. I mean, you think about the nicest person, the person with the biggest heart, the friendliest person, the person that's the most gentle. You think about that person that's always giving, always giving, always giving. That person right there. Ricky's that person for some, right? That person right there cannot do enough good to earn salvation. Church, salvation comes through the work of Jesus on the cross. That's it. We are saved by grace. Grace that we don't deserve. But that's what grace is all about. But here's the command. You and I are to work out our salvation. Now, the word, the verb work out here carries the meaning of work to full completion. This used to get me in trouble in high school especially in the arena of math, because that's actually what this is. It's, it's a kind of a, a mathematical term that, that we are to work out, we are to work out our salvation to full completion as you would work out a problem in mathematics. Now, my father is really good at math, okay? Now, and I'm talking about the math that's not just numbers, Okay, but, but when they introduce the alphabet, like letters, and so I know, right? It's like, why would we ever do that? It, that's just not my world. I was hoping Lou was going to be here because I was going to, you know, just pick on him for just a minute, but he's not here, so I'll pick on the rest of you. This applies to How in the world that you can add numbers and, and letters and, and make it all work, I, I just don't know. My father would help me, though. My father, though, he could look at the problem, whatever it was, and he could sit there and scratch his head for a second and tell me what the answer is. And I'm like, awesome, that's great. I would write the answer down. And the answer would be correct. 
But you guys know this. In, in the arena of math, it's not about the answer, right? I mean, yes, the answer has to be correct, but it's about how did you get to the answer? How did you, you know, what's the first step, and then the second step, and then the third step, and then the fourth step, and why are there so many steps to the problem? That's the real question that we need to be talking about right now. And then there's the fifth step, and then we get to the answer. Well, I had the answer because my dad was able to help me out, but he could not, and he rarely was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You know, you just... You do this, and he do this, but he always got the answer right. All right, if you don't know about it, technology's great. There's an app called Photo Math. All right? Like, I just long for the day for my children to come and ask me math questions, because I can like, oh, yeah? I just, you take a picture of the, work, the problem, and this thing works it out. And it doesn't just give you the answer. It gives you the answer. But it gives you the steps. It shows you all the work. And if you actually go beyond like the, the free version, the ones got all the ads that are going to pop up and everything, which makes you question, is it really going to work? You actually get the one that you buy. It'll even explain the why behind it. Like, here's why you do this. Like, I don't care about the why. The teacher just wants me to know that I've got the steps, and here it is. Photomath is awesome. It might be one of the greatest apps ever. And it works it out for you. And it shows you all the steps to get to the answer. That is what Paul is telling us to do here. That, that, that we are to work out our salvation. And these are all the steps that it takes to get there. Now, all the steps it takes to get there does not mean that once I become a Christian, i got to work to keep it. That's not what it's about. When you surrender your life to Jesus and you ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you're there. Now, change is going to come about. Remember what God's desire for you is. Remember what he wants for every single person. He wants you to become like his son. That's what he wants for you, church. And it doesn't matter how old you are. And it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter about the baggage that you might be carrying around right now. He wants you to be progressing toward the likeness of his son. These aren't coming up on the screen, but just a couple of verses to remind you of this. This isn't just Michael talking, but this is the Bible talking. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Romans 8, 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And there's more that we can add to that list. God desires for you to become like his, like his son. And here's the thing. God is not going to just, okay, you've asked my son, Jesus, into your heart. Now, I'm not going to just sprinkle some, some magic pixie dust on you to turn you into the image of Jesus. That's, that's not how it works. We have to do our part. We have to work out our salvation. It's personal. Like, like I can't work out your salvation. I, I can only work out my salvation salvation and so so we have to do our part now here's the problem with the church in america we hear salvation and we think of one thing one thing typically 
eternal life. Oh, how we have missed the mark on that. Salvation is more than a ticket to heaven. Salvation is about eternal life, yes, but salvation in the, in the temporary, in the right now, is about my life being sanctified, about this process of me, the wretched Michael that I was when I surrendered to Jesus, taking the steps and becoming more and more like Jesus. Salvation is about God saving Michael from himself on this earth. That's what salvation is about. It's twofold. And he's telling you, he's telling me that we are to work it out, that we are to do our part. And then you jump right to 13. It's like, oh, what, what about what do I do with 13? Here's what I know about working out church. Physically, in the gym. You, there's a couple guys here that y'all go to the gym, you do your stuff, right? When you work out consistently, when you exercise consistently, there's always results. Now, now you may have enough just fluff already on the body that you may not necessarily see the results, and the results may not necessarily be visible, okay, to everybody. But when you exercise, when you work out, and you do it consistently, you are going to see the results. They may be slow, but they will happen. And, and, and the problem is, it is the inconsistency of this working out that keeps me stuck in the same place. And when I'm doing my part consistently, when I'm working out my salvation consistently, God does his part. That's why verse 13 is in there. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And, and, and the question can be asked here. Well, if God's working in you, man, why don't I just let God do the work? And I'll just sit back here and tell God transform me. Takes away free will. Takes away choice. It takes away, do you really love me as a good father? And so as you are working out your salvation, God is working in you. God is at work in your life. And you may not see it, you may not feel it, it's not, it may not give you the warm fuzzies, but, but as you're going through the things that stretch you, as you're going through the things that you might struggle with, as you're going with, with, with the stuff and, 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 and you're trying to persevere through it and you're relying on the Lord to help you through it, and, and you may fail. You, you, may, you may backslide some. God is right there with you. Remember from the other day when we talked about Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He is at work in you. So that's verse 12, 13. Now verse 14. You ready for this one? Do everything without grumbling, 
or are you? It is said that this is the most ignored Bible verse in all of Scripture. And I think the whoever they is that said it probably pretty accurate. <laughs> we are to do everything without grumbling or arguing. The word grumble here, okay, it's a big long Greek word, it starts with letter G, it's got a bunch of letters in it. The Greek word grumble here means a complaint uttered in a low and indistinct tone. You're familiar with it. You are so familiar with it. If you haven't done it today, you've probably heard your kids do it today. You know, as you're like hurrying them up and they're walking away from it. I can't right? You know what it is. We're, we're, we're all too familiar with, with this Bible verse about the grumbling and the arguing. And, and the other day, this, the, the, the irony of God putting this on my heart to ask my family is just, it's so God. Okay? Um, I, I, I'm going to tell you the story, and it is an area that I definitely know that I have to uh, surrender to the Lord. Alright? But yeah, Friday night, we're going to be dinner. And um, we we needed to, we were gonna try to go to the Kroger here in Decatur. Now I like Kroger, okay? I despise this Kroger. Like I loathe its location. I can't. It's just so much about this Kroger that I absolutely despise. But I'm looking for a certain gift card, and I've tried some of the other places, okay? And the other places didn't have it. I'm like, well, look here. I could either drive over to Huntsville to get this gift card, or let's just try. Kroger. So we go into Kroger, we need a couple things, and they had a gift card. Right? But in the process of pulling into the parking lot of Kroger, which is laid out terrible and all this good stuff, you know, anyway, I'm asking my family, Stella and me, hey, what constitutes a complaint? Right? Like, like what, what statements are actually just statements of truth versus statements that are, I'm now complaining? Right? Well, then, I mean, Kroger just showed up, showed up. I mean, they brought every, they tested my patience and, and every part of who I am as a follower of Jesus. They tested it and they tested it again and they tested it again. And at one point in time, I was just like, fine, leave the stuff right here in the middle of the floor. We're driving to Huntsville to get the gift card. I'm done. And the man's like, please calm down. Please calm down. People are watching you. You're a minister. Please calm down. And, and, and then by the end of the, by the end of the time, Amanda and Stella, I noticed they were like keeping their distance from me. They're, they're now like just got their back turned to me over here. And it's just, and here's the thing, most of the time I wasn't saying anything, but my face was saying everything. And the little lady that came back, you know, she sat there and ate her little, her little mini donut things while the computer's rebooting and there's 12 people in this lineup. Okay, I'll do it again. What constitutes grumbling? What constitutes arguing? And we were going to get into all of that. You know. You know. Paul's clear that we're to do everything. We're to go grocery shopping without complaining or arguing. When your football team plays the latest game in the history of late games, and you choose to watch it, 
Because you don't have to watch the football game. You choose to watch it. Do it. Without grumbling or arguing. Sermon was too long. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> you, you sit there and you listen. You like it. Do all things without grumbling or arguing. A person stops in the acceleration lane coming onto the belt. You drive indicator without grumbling or arguing. Your husband leaves folded clothes on the couch for a week. Do all things without grumbling or arguing. <laughs> your co-worker has criticized your efforts and your work ethic. Do all things without grumbling or arguing. They don't sing enough hymns or they don't sing my music or the music's too loud or... Or, or whatever, it's too hot in the sanctuary, it's too cold in the sanctuary. Do all things without grumbling or arguing. <laughs> I wrote this down too. They switched from the glazed donuts to the powdered sugar donuts. Eat the donut. You don't need the donut, but do it without complaining or arguing. <laughs> Here's the thing. This is just part of our culture. This is part of society right now. Many of us wake up, and you know these people, and maybe you are this person. Many of us wake up set to grumble. Many of us just wake up, man, I'm, I'm ready to find a thing to complain about. And we move through our day murmuring at a great variety of objects that get in our way. We're just looking for something. To not be happy about. We're just looking for a reason to vent. And here's the thing. I just said it right there. We dress it up in, in Christian circles. We dress it up. I'm not complaining. I'm venting. I just need to get this off my chest, church. Right? Like that's, that's the stuff that we say. We try, to, we, try to, we try to cover up sin by, by calling it something different. We just give you this prayer request. We need, we need to pray for the people that mess with the thermostats at church, you know, that maybe, maybe they won't be so warm-blooded or something. You know, that, that's what we do all the time. Church, God knows what you're doing. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we think about it, we do too. Warren Wiersbe says it like this, grumbling is the hum of the fallen human and often a hallmark of Christians indwelling sin. Grumbling or complaining is discontentment made audible. So it is. It is the heart's contempt escaped through the mouth. And it's easy to drink. And it's frequent. And it's dangerous. Grumbling and arguing reveals a heart and our mindset toward life. As we've discussed many times in this church, we discussed last week, we are to have the same mindset, the same attitude as Jesus who left the glory and splendor of heaven to come to earth, and he was spit on, and he never complained. He was betrayed by closest people. He never complained. He invited people to be in relationship with him. Go, go read John 6. 
I mean, he, he, he's got all these disciples, right? We've got the apostles, but then he's got all these other disciples. And he sits there and he gives them some hard truths, some truths that, that we need to. And, and, and John 6, I think it's about verse 60, says that they deserted him. They left him. And the apostles were there and they're like, what, uh, what do we do? Like, everybody's leaving. And he asked them, you going to leave too? We can go on and on and on with the things that Jesus endured when he came to earth. But you want to know what he did not do? He did not complain and he did not grumble. And we are to be like him. See, to work out my salvation with fear and trembling is seeking God's guidance in areas of my life that do not align with the image of Jesus. It is the recognition of these shortcomings or these blind spots, if they are, and then seeking God to lead me and work in me to overcome these areas. That's what it means to work out my salvation. And church, I'm, I'm here to tell you, complaining and arguing needs to be on your radar. It, 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 it has to be on everybody's radar. Okay, well tell me how to stop doing it. Check your heart. The number one thing we can do to stop grumbling about things is learning to be content with my circumstances no matter what. I think in two weeks, come back, we're going to speak directly into learning to be content. Because the man who had everything, who is now sitting in prison, chained to a jail, is writing and telling us that because of the work of God in his life, he has learned to be content no matter the circumstances. And when God works in us, when I recognize that this is a blind spot or a shortcoming or this is, this is part of who I am, when God works in us, my attitude changes from discontentment to being content. Now, there's always benefit that comes with me surrendering my life and becoming like Jesus. And, and you don't have to go too far to find out what it is. The next verse, 15, says, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. How about that? Blameless and pure? You've heard of that before? Like, like has anybody ever said, has anybody ever looked at your life and said, you know what, when I think of you, I think of blameless and pure. No, probably not. They certainly haven't done it to me. But if I told you that people looked at Jesus and said, that right there is the picture of being someone who is blameless and pure, you're like, oh yeah, I can see that. Well, that's what I'm supposed to become. I'm supposed to become the person who is blameless and pure because that reflects Jesus. <clears throat> he goes, not only that, you are to be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Now, we can look at any media outlet, whether you're a news person on TV, if you're reading the paper still, they even make those. Whatever you, however you get your news, you can watch it in social media and you can quickly discover that we are living in a warped and crooked generation. And here's the interesting thing about this. Paul, in this in this text, what he is actually doing, he's actually quoting 
something from the Old Testament that the Gentiles probably didn't know anything about. Okay, they, they, they might have had some knowledge of this, but what he's doing here, you see the quotation marks, around, around being children of, of God in this crooked and depraved generation, he's actually quoting Deuteronomy 32. And, and he's quoting this when God's people were wandering in the wilderness, they were grumbling about everything. Well, there's consequences to your choices. That's why you're wandering. So that's on you people. He goes, but since you're wandering, I'm going to give you everything you need. Oh, you, you, you need shade in the day? Okay, I'll be shade. I'll be a, a pillar of, of cloud. Oh, you need, you, you need light at night? Okay, I'll be a pillar of fire. Oh, you need food? I'll give you food. You need water? I'll provide water. I, I will provide every single thing that you need. And it wasn't enough. And God's like, here I am. I am God. I am the creator of this universe. And you have direct access to me. Here I am. And they're like, it's not enough. So they complained. And they argued. And they bared. Just listen to what's written in this chapter of Deuteronomy 32. They have acted corruptly, corruptly, corrupt toward him. Are they really his children? They are a deceitful and twisted generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? Like, like, like think about what Moses is writing here. That's the question that came up. They're complaining and they're arguing is so much and it's going on so rampant that the question is asked, are they really his children? I mean, his parents, I, mean, I, I would ask for a show of hands, but I know what it would be. You would all take in your households less complaining and less arguing today. You would embrace that in a second. You'd be like, heck yeah. That, that would be a great start. I would love it. That would just make life so much easier. And the people are doing it so much that God is now questioning, are they really even his children? Has God ever felt that way about you? Because of the amount of complaint. Because of the amount of bigger wrong in your life. Do you think God has ever felt that way about you? Now here I'm going to tell you, you're a child of God. He loves you. And he forgives you. And that's all we've got to do to say, Lord, forgive me for this. And then we've got to repent of it. And we've got to move on. And it's gone. Isn't that cool? Then he says this in verse 15. Then you will shine among them the crooked and perverse generation. You will shine among them like stars in the sky. Man, you know what he is saying here? If, if, if you would just, when, when we have the attitude of Jesus, when we work out our own salvation, when we do everything in life without grumbling and arguing, we will shine like stars to those around us. Like, I don't have to tell them how good I am. I don't have to show them with my works and deeds, and that's part of it. We can get there. I, I don't have 
have to do. There's a whole laundry list of things that I don't have to do. I just don't have to complain and argue every single time. He says, you're going to shine like stars. I mean, y'all have been in the environments. You've, you've been in the workplaces. You've been in the places where, where man, you just got the people that complain and argue. They complain and complain and complain. Something yeah, they, they complain. And when that person is not there, it's a completely different environment, isn't it? Just think. You can draw attention to other people by simply not complaining when things don't go your way. Hey, you don't want to have conversations about Jesus at work. You can't have conversations about Jesus at work. Just don't complain. Just don't argue. And you're going to shine like stars. Now, now look here. When, when it happens like one isolated time, I kept my mouth shut on that one. <laughs> I work that way. It's got to be over time. When you do it once, and you do it twice, and you do it three times, and you do it four times, people are going to start to see You are going to stand out. So church, will you take the steps? Will you do the things necessary in your life to shine like stars for those around you? Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. God, I pray that our love will increase and overflow for one another. Father, I pray that as we go through life, as our circumstances change, as our things just don't happen the way I want them to, tragedy strikes, when inconveniences pop up, Father, I pray that we can be so full of Jesus that we do everything. Without complaint. Without grumbling. God, I, I know that people live in harsh environments. I know that people live and work in extreme situations. God, there's people in this room who are on the very front lines of a crooked and depraved generation. <laughs> It's easy to just fall right in line and to, and to look very similar to that by our complaining and our arguing. So, Father, I, I challenge our church. I challenge me. And I'll be convicted of this in my own life, Father, to do all things without grumbling, to do all things without arguing, God, we know I like God. So that I can shine like stars to others. Thank you, Lord, for this message.